Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Obich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, our host, Anne, is running solo and chatting with Rick Gillis, CEO of the Tinley Beverage Company, a leading manufacturer of cannabis beverages. An experienced veteran of the CPG and drink space, Rick has spent over 30 years in various senior positions in the alcohol and beverages sector, most recently serving as president of Young's Market Company, which followed time as the executive vice president of Coca-Cola Enterprises Southwest Division. And sat down with Rick to explore his thoughts on the burgeoning cannabis beverage space and to learn more about how Tinley is breaking through the noise to establish a premium brand. The two also discussed Tinley's relationship with beer giant Paps, how he's been able to grow the company since its early days, and what he expects the market to look like post-legalization. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Rick Gillis of the Tinley Beverage Company. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I love to start out these chats with telling our listeners a little bit about you personally before we jump into the company. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and your journey to cannabis? Well, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to unpack. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the childhood is pretty brief, but it was fascinating because I grew up in a military family. So my father served in the United States Air Force for 23 years, uh, fought in Vietnam, but that that made for a very interesting uh, childhood because anybody that knows, you know, military life knows that you uh, you spend your life changing, right? You mm-hmm. move from place to place. So I, I was fortunate. Uh, and I think I've, I've lost your screen. You're not on the, uh, on my picture. There you are. There I am. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the only reason I, I say my childhood was was really fascinating is because I, I learned so much, lived in different countries. Most of my childhood was spent in Europe, in England and Germany. I was actually born in England, but traveling from base to base, from state to state, uh, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to change. And the beautiful thing about the military, it's a melting pot. So you grow up with diversity and you don't know anything but diversity. So it was really incredible that the gift the military gives its dependents and its uh, its service personnel is, is a lesson in, in adaptability. And I think that's really, really been instrumental uh, in my life. And, uh, and I wouldn't have traded it for anything, but beyond that, obviously I, I went to college, but stumbled in the, uh, the beverage business. So it's something I've done now for close to 40 years uh, while I was going to college and uh, working for Pepsi Bottling Group. So I basically started at the bottom, driving forklifts, driving trucks, delivering, <laughs> selling, merchandising, all the things that are done in you know pretty basic DSD CPG companies. And, mm-hmm. and I tracked about nine years at Pepsi, got recruited to Coke and spent 16 years there. Uh, was fortunate to run one of their largest business units in the Southwest. And then I, I left the soft drink industry after 25 years and went into the dairy industry with Dean Foods. 
and uh, was uh, fortunate enough to run the Southeast for them. So I had uh, 18 dairy processing plants and four ice cream plants. So I, as my career progressed, I got deeper into manufacturing. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of started out in operations, uh, spent a lot of time in sales and leadership running you know, large business units. But it's been very interesting uh, getting a deeper understanding of manufacturing and how much that matters you know, in the end product. Uh, but I ended up, uh, you know, spending five years in the dairy sector. And then, uh, back in 2014, I was recruited to run a, uh, wine and spirit wholesaler on the West coast called Young's market company. And I spent almost five years, uh, leading that amazing 130 year old privately held company. And I got uh, a very deep understanding of the beverage alcohol industry, uh, and all the regulatory com- compliance and, you know, uh, just complexity uh, that that industry has. And it was a consequence of prohibition ending in 1933. And the government said, hey, we, we need to really structure this in a way that one allows us to collect the uh, the excise tax. And so, you know, a three-tier system was born. I say that because I think there's a lot of uh, interesting perspectives today on how, you know, cannabis will evolve and, and how will, you know, what type of infrastructure uh, we'll be able to deal with a, you know, a highly regulated and what used to be a controlled substance. Uh, but as we all know, cannabis is in an interesting journey right now. It's, uh, <laughs> yes, you know, it we're, is. We're, I think we're up to 37 states that are medical and we're, who knows, I'm told by the November elections, we could be up to 22, uh, adult recreation legal states. So, you know, it, it kind of feels like a freight train that's running through the uh, the country. And, uh, you know, there's an overwhelming number of, you know, U.S. adult population that approves for cannabis prohibition to end. But back to how I ended up getting in this, I actually met our founder, Jeff Maser, when he came into Young's Market and, you know, asked me to be a distributor for a hemp extract product called Hemplify. And that was in 2017. Uh, it wasn't really a good fit because it wasn't like a, you know, a Red Bull and vodka type uh, concoction. It was a super supplement and hemp extract, you know, with lots of CBD uh, isn't something you're going to mix with alcohol. So it, and it, it just didn't really fit for us. And I told him, I said, you, that's really a mainstream type product. You're going to need probably a beer wholesaler or a soft drink wholesaler that can get you to all channels of trade. But what's important about that is that that's where Jeff and I, you know, built a relationship. And he mentioned to me that, you know, in a short eight or nine months, I forget exactly when it was in 17, that once California goes adult rep, which was January 1st of 2018, that he's going to do a hard right out of hemp and go right into cannabis. And he was going to basically model the playbook uh, from the beverage alcohol industry, which is a $250 billion industry that has thrived on the fact that it's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, drinking is socially acceptable, much more so than smoking. And uh, and what a great idea he had. And it actually was, you know, I think it was in a bar in Toronto, you know, a number of years ago where, you know, he's always, you know, been a, a fan of cannabis and uh, not so much alcohol, but, you know, who doesn't like the taste of a margarita? But thought, what if you pulled the alcohol out and put in THC and gave somebody uh, an onset because you really don't want to drink alcohol for an onset. I mean, nothing really meaningful or, or, or health and wellness will come from hangovers and headaches, yep. <laughs> but, 
Uh, but it's a great industry. Not and, that I would know, Rick. No, you wouldn't know. Of course but it's, not. It's a it's a fantastic industry, and it's uh, and it's thrived because it's an elevated you know drinking experience and done responsibly uh, can really be a wonderful thing to enjoy. Uh, so our whole thought process was how can we build a bridge to an industry that's got some stigma problems that, you know, and it, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, cannabis is, is still mostly an inhaling type experience. And, uh, and so there's lots of, uh, you know, changing uh, paradigms around, you know, the industry, but, you know, our thought was why not make uh, a cannabis beverage, but, you know, here's the challenge. When you say the word cannabis or marijuana, nobody really thinks of drinking it. Right. They think of smoking it or eating it. And for the, you know, the, the little known science factor is that, you know, molecules, oils, not water soluble. Well, thanks to technology that frankly has shaped so many industries, uh, some really sharp PhDs kind of started digging in the space here as things were starting to become legal and found many different ways, uh, nanotechnology, there's all different ways to solubilize uh, cannabinoid molecules. And so what a breakthrough. And that really wasn't that long ago. It was only a few years ago. And, and so that basically provided the gateway for consumers to enjoy you know, a cannabis-infused beverage uh, that would have great taste. I mean, our drinks, we, we love to brag about our you know, little lane we swim in called alcohol-inspired you know, cocktails and mixers. Uh, is they're vegan, they're gluten-free, they're all natural, there's no artificial coloring, they're kosher. And they're super low in calorie and sugar. And these are really important, uh, you know, requirements for consumers today. Uh, we all, you know, we've seen what happened with hard seltzers. Mm -hmm. so 100 calories resonates with folks. Mm -hmm. Lower ABV resonates. Uh, but here in this cannabis space, uh, it's actually quite compelling that you can now take these cannabinoids and you can solubilize them and you can make great tasting drinks. And the other key unlock is that thanks to technology and cannabis beverages acting very much like alcohol is, you know, they go through your liver into your bloodstream and we, we can get people to an onset, a very nice euphoric body chill. I mean, we're microdosers. We're, we're not uh, doing any more than five milligrams of THC per serving. So that's in our, definitely my swim lane. <laughs> yeah. And that's because we don't want people to be, you know, overly manipulated or out of control. We, we yeah. frankly are trying to model what people do when they grab a six pack of beer or a bottle of wine is you have a couple of drinks and it's part of the occasion. And, and what a great way to begin to change the paradigm around cannabis that, you know, using a social acceptability platform uh, like drinking what a great vehicle with which to expose people to uh, cannabis, because once you, you you experience the difference between a hangover and a and a high, it's fascinating that what it does. And and I think it's incredible what lies ahead uh, when you think about. And I always steal a, a comment from Dr. Harold Hannett at Vertosa when I listened to one of his podcasts and he said, you know, the human race has survived for 4,000 years on a couple molecular compounds and basically given us six drinks. And he said, you know, ethanol is one, which is a fancy term for alcohol. So you get beer, wine and spirit, those three of the six. And then thanks to caffeine, which has been consumed for thousands of years, you got coffee, tea, 
and Coke. And mm-hmm. there's been you know a number of derivatives that have been created from those molecular compounds, whether you want caffeine or not, or sugar or not. But bottom line is here we sit in an industry that has this amazing cannabis plant that has over 113 molecular compounds. And we're really only messing around with THC, THCA, CBD, CBG, CBX, CBN. Mm-hmm. But there is so much more research and study that is uh, available to really exploit what the potential is to really shape you know, a beverage experience that for the first time in my career, after selling so many different beverages, this is fascinating that cannabis beverages can, can satisfy two really important dimensions for humans, a health and wellness or a recreational. And it's, and I've never sold a beverage that has been able to, you know, uh, be, be uh, uh, produced in a way that can satisfy two really important dimensions for humans. And I, I think we're at the very beginning of something that is fascinating, compelling, and, and so much potential in front of it. Uh, but I think, you know, I always tell folks, there's a lot of naysayers because the category is very small and that's okay. Things have to start small before they get big. It's just opportunity, but right? It, it is. And, and, one, and uh, But we've always characterized, you know, the barriers for cannabis beverages. One was science and thanks mm-hmm. to technology. Now you don't have to shake a drink well to mix up the, the cannabinoids, uh, you, no one wants to drink salad dressing, right? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, infrastructure, and that's a really important role that we're playing along with, you know, several others in the state to really provide scaled, you know, high quality manufacturing. Uh, it's something we take ever so serious here because we've got to operate no different than any other large you know, scaled beverage manufacturer, whether it's in the beer industry, soft drink, juice, tea, energy drinks, whatever, uh, we've got to earn that trust that consumers have for, you know, a century enjoying all these other drinks from beverage manufacturers that own their own quality outcomes. They're, none of these other industries have to go through those required state testing labs to issue a certificate of analysis. And I'm thrilled that the cannabis industry requires that so that consumers can feel safe and confident that they're about to ingest something uh, that's going to provide a benefit. And, but, you know, science, we've checked the box. We can make drinks. Uh, Infrastructure, that's a big role that we're playing in the industry. Frankly, it's the most important role that we're playing is the scaled manufacturing that we've got here in Long Beach. Uh, and I can answer any questions you have about that. And then, uh, but still the most difficult barrier that we frankly haven't been able to uh, solve yet for the category is access to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And as you know, uh, you know, there are some really challenging barriers for the industry. One is the, and all the MSOs share in this challenge is that the supply chain for cannabis has to exist in each and every legalized municipality. There is no interstate commerce. So mm-hmm. it's difficult for the industry to scale from a supply chain standpoint, which really matters because we want to provide you know, options for consumers at, at prices they can afford. And we all know there's also the, the 280E tax challenge yep. that really makes it difficult for everybody that participates in the uh, the whole value chain. You know, I always characterize cannabis as a five-tier industry, uh, whereas alcohol is more like a three 
tier manufacturing, distribution, and retail. But here in our world, you've got cultivation, you've got processing slash extraction. And then once you've got that oil or a distillate, then, you know, manufacturing takes over and creates all these amazing downstream products. And then you've got distribution and you've got retail and all five sectors have to deal with some really challenging tax impacts that make it difficult to provide, you know, an affordable price for an occasion with cannabis, but we're all working hard. Uh, There's this very strong cannabis community, anybody that's in it, you know, we, we share this, that, you know, it can be pity parties at times, but we share this commonality that we're in a tough industry right now. We're grateful and we have so many pioneers to thank that have made it possible. And, and it continues to grow. And it's super exciting when you hear about companies like Amazon that have already filed to be able to lobby for descheduling at the federal level. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Charles Koch, the billionaire, he'd like to see cannabis get descheduled. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, good wind at our backs, but it's going to take time. But right now, you know, California is a wonderful place to do business. It's still the largest cannabis market in the world. And People drink a lot of stuff here too. And, you know, thanks to technology, we can offer, you know, an alternative. Uh, and we think it's it's a powerful proposition. And, and we've been at it now for, you know, publicly held as a company for over five years now, but manufacturing in earnest in three different phases uh, for over three years now. And now we're in our third phase facility in Long Beach. And uh, and it's been a tremendous amount of hard work for the last couple of years, but we're, we're just about there in terms of fully installing all our capabilities. But hey, I've gone on a run on sentence there. No, this I has been great. Work. You, you actually, <laughs> you answered some <laughs> questions I had later on down the road, but you know, we, we've kind of talked around what Tinley is, uh, but can you give us a better idea of, of the actual products and the value proposition um, and kind yeah. of where you sit in the, in this emerging landscape? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said earlier, I mean, we, we like to say we swim in a very narrow lane that is called alcohol inspired you know, ready to drink cocktails and uh, and mixers. So things you would find, you know, in any bar. Uh, ready to drink is a really big deal right now across the beverage alcohol industry, whether it's wine, spirits, or beer. I mean, lots of products now are in cans, boxes. And ready of, to drink means what exactly? RTD, meaning you just crack, chill it, crack just it open. crack it open and go. And okay. So when we, we launched four uh, flavors, uh, and, you know, based on the regular regulations in California, we, we cannot use alcohol terms. Right. So our, our, our brand, our head stall brand is, is Tenley's Tonics. But in our four offerings, we have uh, Juniper Sky, which is kind of code for gin and tonic. We've got <laughs> Stone Daisy, which is code for margarita. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Horse, uh, which is our award-winning Emerald Cup first place winner back in 2019, is a uh, Moscow Mule. Uh, and then we launched a, a Mystic Dove, which Dove in Spanish means Paloma. So that drink tastes like, you know, tequila and grapefruit soda. So those are those are fun. They're five milligrams. There's no more than 30 calories in all of them. There's no more than five grams of sugar. And, and it, you just get a nice little, I call it a body chill, a, a, a head high that is totally comfortable, totally enjoyable, happens in about 15 to 20 minutes, depending on your tolerance level. And has a nice gradual offset that could be somewhere around an hour and a half uh, to two hours. But depending on your tolerance level, you may drink two and be right where you want to be. But 
those are just fun. And, and think of the opportunities we have to continue to expand on, on that line. I mean, we could do mojitos, we could do, you know, rum and colas, we could do, you name it, we can formulate it. And there's, there's just tremendous technology out there to formulate our drinks like an alcoholic drink, just with no alcohol, but rather a microdose of THC. And then our elixirs uh, or mixers, uh, we've d done a coconut rum. We've done a cinnamon. Uh, you can probably guess what that one was modeled after. Uh, <laughs> it's spicy. Uh, yeah. We've done a, an amaretto and a, and a Kahlua style. So we've got drinks that we can make, you know, cannabis infused mocktails. And you can have a lot of fun with those. We've got recipes on our website. Oh, the, the recipes look amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to try some of them. We've worked with some super creative mixologists in California where there's just some great innovation and thinking around these drinks. Uh, it, it's super fun. And, but remember those are five milligrams dosed as well, but we always tell consumers, you know, careful because, you know, there's eight and a half servings in those bottles. They're 375 yeah. milliliter. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, just like you'd buy a bottle of alcohol, you would typically use an ounce and a half as right. a serving, and then you'd put in whatever mixer you want. And that's what ours are at. They're five milligrams per ounce and a half. So they make a great, line of those. So that's, that's something we're excited about. We think there's tremendous opportunity. I, it, it, it's going to be a smaller portion of our revenue up until the time that we can ship to other markets. Mm -hmm. So we're going to stay in California, uh, at least until the time that that could be possible. But what a great place to continue to build the brand. I mean, a lot of brands get built on this side of the country. Yep. Uh, and then, but like I said earlier, contract manufacturing, we really want to provide the legitimate credentials for scaled high quality manufacturing following all the good manufacturing practices that you would find in any food grade type facility. We're on that path to become uh, at that level. And we're working with, you know, outside agencies to help us, you know, really refine our processes and, and so on. But we're, we're in a really good place and, and we've got deep expertise here folks that have, you know, if we added up our collective years of experience on beverage manufacturing, sales and distribution, it's impressive what we've got here to power the uh, the business. And then uh, I always like to mention, we actually launched a mainstream brand that is our exact formulas that we launched for our Tinley's drinks, because obviously they, they both don't have alcohol in them, but the other brand we launched is called Beckett's. Uh, and Beckett's is a an unintended consequence of us doing samplings and PADs, you know, for events and dispensaries where you cannot give out free cannabis. So we basically can make batches as long as we put the appropriate identification on there. So consumers know it's a sample contains no THC. And so the pitch is no different. Hey, these are vegan, gluten-free, they're all natural, no artificial coloring, they're low in calorie, low in sugar, yada, yada, yada. Give it a try. People drank them and said, wow, where can I buy this? And I said, well, in the dispensary, and the one with, you know, a microdose is not going to taste any different. And the feedback I got was, well, I, Hey, I, I, I enjoy cannabis, but I don't do it every day. But my wife and I stopped drinking alcohol five years ago, and we would love to go to a party with one of these margaritas and feel like we fit in a bit You're part better. of the group. Right. Right. And so as you probably know, there's not, there isn't just a can of curious consumer trend happening but there's a sober curious trend and it's powerful. And I always 
say, look no further than the millions of dollars that Heineken is spending on their zero zero campaign. I mean, they actually expect that that single SKU with no alcohol uh, to be, I don't know, 20 to 30 percent of their business over the wow. next few years. And it's really. Uh, yeah. And I and I actually think it's it's a uh, it's an interesting paradigm that has shifted. And I can tell you, if I would have walked into a party, you know, call it 20 years ago with a with a non alk beer, I Folks probably would have, would have laughed. They would have laughed at me that I thought I was on the wagon or that I've, you know, I've got a problem with alcohol or whatever. But it seems today that that young people, you know, are welcoming choices that are, you know, less in calorie. Uh, they don't want to be overly manipulated. And and it was no different in some way. And I'll date myself here, but you know, when I got out of high school and I wanted to get a car, the last thing I was going to do was get, you know, my dad's Oldsmobile. I wanted something more sporty, more different, more contemporary, younger, something that fit my lifestyle. Uh, and you almost feel like there, there's a, a mindset. And I read a lot of stuff that says there's a definite decline in, you know, either teenage drinking or what have you, but there, times are changing and they always do. And it, you've got to stay up with the consumer. And I, I know a lot of younger folks are choosing cannabis uh, for a way to relieve what is the number one use for cannabis, and that's anxiety. And, you know, if there hasn't been anxiety over the last couple of years, I don't know a time that there <laughs> then, yeah, hasn't. Then you're doing so, well if you have any anxiety. Yeah, so, so cannabis uh, engagement has, uh, you know, skyrocketed. The, the business was exploding throughout COVID. And what a oh, way to help. It surprised people. everybody, I think. Yeah, it, it, it has. And uh, and I think we're, you know, we're positioned well, but Beckett's is a fun little brand. I mean, it, I, I call it an organic growth story. We've, you know, we've gotten into all the BevMo's in California, so they're having fun with it. And they just did a promotion over Labor Day weekend with Beckett's. But, you know, it can also be a mixture too, which I tell folks is, hey, if you want a lower <laughs> calorie margarita, you know, with 30 calories and five grams of sugar, you can kind of spike it yourself. Uh, and, and feel maybe a little bit better that you're not dumping in a bunch of calories and sugar. But uh, I think it's a great uh, brand because now we've kind of got two, two branding uh, options that kind of bridge between sober curious and can of curious. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's kind of neat. We also still infuse terpenes in our Beckett strengths uh, okay. because they're botanical strain terpenes. They're not cannabis derived, but they, uh, they do help just like they do in the cannabis uh drinks, uh, they help shape taste and aroma. Uh, but on the cannabis side, you know, as you probably know, you, you get a choice on either a sativa dom dominant terpene or a, uh, an indica dominant. And we use, you know, pineapple jack sativa in our Tinley's drinks. We actually want people to have more of a euphoric uh, kind of uplifting experience. And so that's another benefit that beverages have because, you know, as, as the plant grows and then gets, uh, extracted, you know, through either CO2 or butane extraction, turning into an oil. And then, you know, in some ways, very similar to a refinery, you know, that oil gets cooked at different temperatures. And, you know, these amazing scientists, they isolate certain cannabinoids and they decarboxylate and get THC in its purest form. And, uh, you know, it's like our drinks, we use a 90%, you know, THC pure distillate uh, to power our beverages. And we're also funny, we, we like to make sure that flower for our distillate comes from the uh, Emerald Triangle. 
And we know some mm-hmm. of the best sun-grown flour has been grown in, you know, Humboldt, Mendocino, and Trinity counties for a long, long time. So, and there's a very artisanal aspect to that part of California. So we we like to pay homage to those folks that have been fighting the good fight for a long, long time. And uh, so that basically is in the DNA of our of our drinks. But we have to add the terpenes back in because all those essentially get stripped out through the uh, the isolation process and the extraction process. So, and then when those emulsions are made by phenomenal companies like Rotosa and others, they take that distillate and that's where they use their secret sauce and secret formulas and, you know, to, uh, to solubilize, you know, the molecule from a distillate to make a great encapsulated emulsion. And that's what we use to infuse in the drinks. But for our drinks, we actually do at a final step of uh, infusing terpenes back in. And we use botanical strain terpenes for those as well. But that's another interesting kind of feature to our brands. But. So it really is a mix of, of pretty sophisticated technology, um, but also art um, it is. To, get, to get exactly you know what, oh, yeah. what it is you're looking for. It, it's art and science. And when I, I mentioned earlier, with over 113 molecular compounds in the plant, and and over a hundred terpenes that could be either you know citrus driven, herbal driven. It's incredible. I mean, think of the plant strain type terpenes that we can really highlight in certain drinks. I mean, we're just scratching the surface on what's to come in really shaping these beverages to satisfy. And like I said earlier, you know, uh, a recreational. Uh, mm-hmm. benefit or a health and wellness one. And there's still lots of work to do there, but uh, there's no question. I mean, there's 37, you know, medical approved states, you know, that's not by accident. This is great medicine for patients and has been for a long, long time. You know, we've talked um, about about the alcohol industry um, and uh, you know, a, a lot on the show too. So, you know, big alcohol has been kind of dipping its toe in. Um, and I think, you know, we can probably all agree that once, once federal legalization happens, we're going to see this flood of new money in the space. Um, and, but there are companies that have been more than just dipping a toe in. Um, and you guys have recently signed a deal with Pabst. Um, can you, can you talk about that a little bit and, and what the future looks like there? Yeah, well, I, I think I'll, I'll back up just a, a bit because you're right. Uh, and I'm under NDA, so I, I can't disclose anything material uh, about the conversations we're having with the beverage alcohol sector. But it's no surprise that beer companies have jumped in quickly. And, uh, and you can see the infrastructure that they've helped support in Canada. And uh, and, and, you know, we're a Canadian-based, you know, Toronto-based. We, I, I love Canada. What they have, you know, done for the U.S. market is untold. Yep. Uh, I mean, the capital markets have, have basically fueled a lot of the investments, you know, from Canada to build these great opportunities in, in the States. But there's no question beer has been very aggressive. Uh, and you can name the company and the partnerships that they have. But... It's it's really interesting, and they're they're doing well in Canada. These drinks are starting to get traction, and the category's growing, and uh, and I think it's all in in anticipation of when you know the U.S. becomes uh, you know a fully legalized uh, country, and that won't happen until we're removed from the Controlled Substance Act. Right now, as you know, we're a Schedule One illegal controlled substance. You know, hemp got released 
couple of years ago. So that's great for hemp, which we think is a great you know, pathway for cannabis. But it, it's not like when the country deschedules that, you know, every state's going to jump in. It won't be any different than beverage alcohol. Everybody, each of the states will decide on their own. But bringing it now to PAPS, we are beyond excited and grateful to work with PAPS Labs. And uh, we are actually scheduling another uh, production run uh, for them next week to do Not Your Father's Root Beer. Uh, we already did a pilot run for them a few weeks ago. Uh, what a delicious root beer. And, uh, and, and they dose it 10 milligrams of THC in that drink. And it's a fantastic uh, product. And that is, you know, an indication about who's kind of moved in pretty quick. Uh, don't forget Lagunitas. Yep. And the brand Hi-Fi Hots that yep. has had tremendous success in California. And uh, and we're also excited because we've done a, a lot of retrofitting in our facility here to be able to support some of the great new technology around dealkalized beer. So we're going to be commissioning our uh, tunnel pasteurizer here over the next few weeks, which is incredibly exciting because now we've got the proper way to preserve a dealkalized beer without compromising the flavor matrix. So we work with process authorities to make sure we understand exactly what those pasteurization units are. Uh, but we work in, in collaboration with our client to make sure that, you know, that that product is gonna flow through our facility in a very closed loop way. Uh, the worst thing for a dealk beer is to be exposed to the atmosphere uh, before it's produced. So you can't, a dealk beer has to be pressurized. It cannot be exposed to yeah. oxygen or you'll really? have something called oxidation. So we do a lot of work here to make sure that we are, you know, carefully analyzing, uh, you know, total dissolved oxygen, total pro product oxygen or package oxygen. It's very important that we're, uh, producing that product in a very high quality way so that uh, there is nothing uh, that can happen inside that liquid. It's super important. Most of we do a lot of education work with our clients around just the degree of importance it is when you're producing a product that people put inside them. Mm -hmm. Nothing more important than quality. And if anybody were to ask me anything about what's the most important thing you do down there, at the Tinley Beverage Company, it's quality. Without question, uncompromising, unwavering commitment to quality in everything we do. So the consumer gets what they expect when they pop open that bottle, that can, that mini, uh, that they get a drink that tastes the way they expect it and has the efficacy and, and works for the reason that they're consuming it. Remember right. people are buying these drinks because they actually want a pleasurable outcome, whether it's recreational or something to help them sleep. It's our obligation to make sure that whatever we're producing is done in the most uncompromising commitment to quality. But beer is at it. Let me tell yeah. you, we're just warming up. I wish I could tell you more, but we're going to be a very busy facility producing cannabis infused dealkalized beer. And it's uh, okay. To me, it's a, it's a fun opportunity. I mean, if you look no further than the beverage alcohol category, beer still comprises a 50% share of, of the stomach. It's a big category. And, uh, and it's, 
had all kinds of evolutions to it, whether it's craft or seltzers or now cannabis infused, you know, dealkalized beer. But it's exciting. And, and wine is also not far behind. There's a lot of amazing products in the market today that uh, that have also gone through a dealkalized process, but come from grapes. Yep. Uh, but just don't have the alcohol, but rather have the uh, the infusion of uh, of cannabinoids. And, yeah, we've uh, had um, uh, the folks at House of Saka. On. Oh, Tracy's um, amazing. She yeah. Is one of the pioneers in the industry. Truly. I, I think the world of her. Uh, yeah, she uh, makes just, a great product. I love her mimosa, that spark drink. Oh, I has. haven't tried that one yet. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I have. Um, it's it's, it's in incredible. My <laughs> yeah, I think I have. Um, I have the white. I can't say wine, the white version, yes. <laughs> the white grape version. Yes, um, yeah, but I think they've done a great job. And and I think, you know, from a packaging perspective and, and all of that, like there's also a, a different like set of hoops you have to jump through there. And I think, you know, both both you and and the folks at House Sadaka um, have done a really nice job with with um, with the with playing the, the, the cards that you're dealt when it comes to, to packaging and, and making yeah. sure that it's shelf stable and all that stuff. So, you know, we are talking about um, a much more sophisticated product than even, you know, three, four years ago. I mean, I, um, and tasting like a, a CBD water and people telling me it's like the best thing since whatever, and just being so underwhelmed and unimpressed and like, like the aftertaste. And so I think that it's come just such a, a long way. Um, and if you think about, you know, I was talking to um, uh, my partner, Lewis Goldberg, the other day and, you know, talking about what a what the what the grocery store aisle is going to look like once um, federal legalization happens. You know, um, there's just a, a treasure trove of of CPG products make sense um, for infusion. Do you, I guess, what do you see in 10 years when you walk down the, the beverage aisle at a grocery store um, or at a liquor store? What, you know, where is cannabis in, in that field? Um, full stop. Well, that's my question. That's a, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I know. I Sorry. mean, I can only speculate, but I, I like to think that, you know, consumers uh, drive demand. And, and with that demand for accessibility comes changes in laws. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, you know, it's pretty resolute in the laws that cannabis and alcohol cannot be together in manufacturing, distribution, or retail. Could that change over time? I, I, I'd like to think so because I think it's a great alternative. Uh, and it's amazing all the innovation that's happening right now. And, and being on the contract manufacturing side, I mean, the, the amount of inquiries I get each and every day, the tours I do of the facility, uh, people from all over the world, uh, other cannabis brands that are wanting to get into the beverage sector, it, it's going to proliferate here and it already is very quickly. And it's going to be up to the consumer. But what I said earlier is the most difficult challenge is getting access to uh, you know adult consumers so that they can you know adopt this option. The adoption curve is much longer than in any beverage I've sold. It, it, it is going to take time. Yeah. And we have, you know, the dispensaries, that subscription model uh, is, is amazing. It's, it's difficult. They're, they're, they don't operate like 7-Elevens. You know, you can't run in with a shopping cart in a basket and start <laughs> grabbing stuff. 
it's more of a concierge and it kind of needs to be at this stage because yeah. you, know, you walk into a dispensary, if you've never been in one, it, it can be very intimidating, daunting. Like what is all this stuff? Uh, and these bud tenders are so important in providing education. It is a key, you know, conduit for consumers learning so that they can find what's going to serve their needs, whether again, it's a health and wellness or, or yeah. recreational. We're, we're optimizing the, the online channel as well. Uh, so, you know, if you go to our website, you'll quickly see a button called Buddy. And that's how folks can literally in any house in California can hit that button and it moves to a different skin that would be that fulfillment uh, agency that can capture your order and deliver it the next day. And it's a, it's a great way for people that are kind of curious that, you know, don't want to spend an hour in the car to drive to a legal, you know, city that, that supports retail. But that, that again is, you know, a very difficult challenge right now is just gaining access. So, you know, we can't take a Facebook page out. Remember it's, it's a federal, you know, we can't do that, but we do enjoy having an Instagram page or Twitter or whatever, but but, you know, social media, digital marketing are super critical for brands today, any brand in the cannabis sector. But education is a very important component. I mean, what, what we spend most of our time doing, it's one thing to get, you know, the opportunity to sell our products into a shop. But nothing's going to happen unless we educate and inspire the staff. So oh, they, sure. need to, they need to try the product. They need to be advocates for the product and they need to be able to speak intelligently about what this product is in, is designed to do. And there is a lot of questions people have. I mean, if you walk up to one of our drinks and go, what the heck's a stone daisy? <laughs> the, you, know, the bud, you can tell by some of the cues on there, very careful cues to try and get people to realize that, you know, this probably has a good chance of tasting like a margarita. Yeah. It's still the number one cocktail in the in the world and has been for decades. Oh, is that um, true? Oh, I right, didn't know that. Sure. Yeah, in fact, it, the, the, the report just came out. But again, if you believe everything you read, uh, I tend to when it comes to stats like this, but and I've heard it for years uh, yeah. being in the industry. But yeah, now in the globe, the margarita is the number one called cocktail. I mean, and it's I'm definitely contributing drink. to that number. Yeah, and tequila is a hot, hot uh, spirit. Tequila is very hot right now. There's yeah, a lot of celebrity happy. happening there too. Yeah, um, you're, you're likely to see us produce a, uh, some tequila-inspired mixers, so stay tuned ooh, for that. But definitely. that's going to be one of our very progressive clients that's also in the dispensary business that wants to launch their own uh, drink. So, you know, we do white label, private label uh, we've got, you know, a mini line we've installed here. We've produced, these are two ounce, hundred milligram dosed shots. Two uh, ounce, hundred milligram shots. Yes. And, and so we're, and we announced our partnership with, with cannabis <laughs> quencher and sip sips a phenomenal brand out of Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number one drink there. Uh, they're now in California, but that to me is a very interesting, uh, learning and, and these, little two ounce bottles, you know, like a five hour energy size, right. are absolutely flying out of the dispensaries. And it's wow. probably going to be a, a higher tolerance cannabis consumer that has been maybe smoking for a number of years that wants to look at alternatives. And, you know, there could be an impact from the pandemic, right? It's a uh, COVID is a, you know, respiratory circulatory 
right. challenge. And sometimes if your lungs are a bit compromised, that could be problematic. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but all I can tell you is that uh, we have an awful lot of interest in producing uh, two ounce cannabis drinks with a lot more than 10 milligrams. You can only go up to 100. So you've got to have the proper dosing strip so that consumers know that there's 10 servings of 10. Mm -hmm. But now uh, our can line will be up and running uh, in about a month. Uh, and we've got quite a few partners lined up to be able to produce and launch their drinks in, in California. That's very exciting. Uh, even it, despite the, the big issues around can supplies, uh, there's a real shortage right now uh, in the industry for a lot of reasons, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, seltzers are on fire, you know, during the pandemic, no one was drinking beer. Out yeah, of the keg. They had a moment, huh? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, uh, you know, our bottle line, we've got, we call it our Italian sports car. It's all, you know, uh, built all the equipment, this beverage manufacturing equipment's from Italy and it's phenomenal equipment. And, uh, we produced close to a million units on that one as well, but it's, uh, it's a it's an absolutely exciting time and and we're at the very beginning it's not been easy i won't tell you that this has been a walk in the park uh but goodness what what doesn't come from you know sweat equity other than really really good opportunities and we like the role we're playing in this space and we'd love to expand and and go to other places but it's a strategic dilemma when you think about some of these these barriers at the uh, at the federal level you know, our facility has got tremendous capacity, so we could handle many more markets outside of California, but we'll have to wait and see how, how things uh, unfold. And in the meantime, do our level best to inspire, you know, another great alternative for consumers that want to come experience cannabis and do it in a way that maybe isn't as intimidating and, and folks that don't want to smoke. Uh, so it's uh, it's exciting times, and we're happy with what we've accomplished so far. Um, so I have two two last questions for you. Um, one is, you know, you you talked about being a publicly traded company. Um, you trade on the CSC under the ticker um, TNY. TNY yep. yeah. on the OTC uh, QX. Yep, and I you know I imagine that you probably spend a good portion of your day talking to investors and and we we have a lot of investors who subscribe to this podcast um, and are and are interested certainly in the sector can you give us a sense of how your investor base kind of sees you in their in their portfolio is this part of a diversification strategy for the cannabis investor who may be you know heavy into MSOs or is it dipping a toe in cannabis from like the traditional beverage alcohol investor um, or is it a mix of the two? No, it's a great question. I mean, for us, we've been pretty resolute. I don't see us changing our strategy anytime soon. There's way too much work to do here to, to really build out this category and expand nationally. Uh, but we are, simply put, a pure play cannabis-infused beverage company. Uh, we're not interested in going into other form factors. We know beverage manufacturing. It's what we do well. It's our core competency. And not only are we excited about you know having our own brand, uh, we welcome other alcohol-inspired options. We're, we, we've done some pretty cool things with ours, and we'll continue to grow that organically. But we are, uh, we're focused on the beverage sector. Uh, you know, our, our, most of our shareholders are Canadian. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, they've got their own Facebook page. Uh, 
for, for the Tinley Beverage Investor Group, which is so awesome that we've got such, you know, passionate, loyal investors that have been with us for a long time. And, uh, and I know it's been a difficult road for them. It's, uh, this is a difficult industry to, just to get through, you know, the licensing process, you know, we're dealing with two entities. We deal with a state entity for licensing uh, and we deal with the local entity here in the city of Long Beach, which both have been phenomenal to work with, by the way, they I've had nothing but a great experience and just welcome and support but it takes time. Uh, and anybody that's gone through the licensing process knows that there, there's an awful lot you have to do to make sure you're going to be, you know, a responsible, welcome, you know, corporate citizen here uh, in the community. And we take that very, very serious, but we're, uh, you know, we've not changed our tune. We're resolute. We're going to be the absolute best in contract manufacturing to build this category. And we've got a team behind us that has that 100% commitment. And, uh, you know, who knows what the future holds? I think uh, as some of these, uh, these supply chain barriers come down, I think it just presents great opportunities for us to, to expand much quicker, but we're not, we're not ready to go, you know, take any of those uh, leaps yet. Uh, we will. Uh, when it's the right time. But right now we're very busy here supporting a number of clients and many more to come and finishing out some of our facility enhancements. You know, it's been an evolving uh, scenario for us. We thought a bottling line would be plenty good. And then we had to put a mini line in it. And then we had to put a can light in it. And then we had to put a pasteurizer. Who knows what else is going to come our way. But right now I think we're fit for purpose ready to have a, a tremendous impact on the industry and really invite consumers uh, that are, you know, kind of curious, uh, you know, hopefully the sober curious ones that are trying Beckett's are going to, you know, seek to know that there's even one that you can get that's infused under a Tinley's trademark. But the majority of what we're about is building the category. We're, we're a great choice for contract manufacturing. We're going to be at Hall of Flowers next week. Oh, talking great. about our capabilities and, yeah. and the, the partners we have. And we're very excited about that. I'll be at, uh, you know, the Cannabis Drinks Expo. I have an opportunity to uh, to speak at the conference uh, that we did two years ago. That's back in South San Francisco. I think that's on Veterans Day, November 11th. But uh, but in October, you know, a, a few of my colleagues and myself will be at MJ BizCon. In oh, Vegas. we will and too. That, yeah, yeah, so that'll be a, a great way to kind of get up to speed on on uh, you know the, the new thinking, the the new projections, the new technologies. It's just a great industry, and I I'm so grateful to be in it, and I've been in it now for over three years, and I I've seen what happened just over these three years, and it's it's incredible. But I think the best is yet to come. And I think we're onto something and I welcome anybody that wants to come by and check out uh, our Long Beach uh, incredible facility and meet our team. My last question uh, for you is, what do you think the biggest untold story is in cannabis? So if you're going to open, um, you know, the Orange County Register, or the LA Times tomorrow, what, what would you love to see on the front page? Wow. Great question. Uh, to me, the, the, the powerful unlock, and it might not be a front page story, but it could be the beginning of a story, 
is, is how this plant uh, prohibition ends and, and scientists can literally dig in and exploit what they can do and optimize with over a hundred molecular compounds and terpenes to really help the human race and give us more choices for the next 4,000 years. And it's, it's a discovery process. It's an adoption curve, but it's, it's spreading. I mean, we're, we're supporting, you know, bridal showers and, you know, weddings that are going <laughs> alcohol free and want to do cannabis drinks. It's, you know, these little things that are happening really give us great inspiration that people are willing to try and discover that you can have an amazing tasting drink that gives you all the other intrinsic benefits that you want for health and wellness. But man, getting a nice little euphoric buzz off of a, uh, uh, you know, a, a cannabis beverage is, is really fun. So maybe that's on the front page. I don't know. but <laughs> I love it. I'd read that story. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Rick Gillis, president of the Tinley Beverage Company. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Take care. Our thanks to Rick Gillis, president of the Tinley Beverage Company. Check him out at drinktinley.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-T-I-N-L-E-Y.com. They are also on Instagram where they have a really, really, really cool Instagram page at drinktinleys, plural. Uh, and I believe that's their Twitter handle too, at drinktinleys. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or send us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay, one take. One take.